0: American Tobacco Historic District in downtown Durham.
1: This is Due South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge. And I'm Jeff Tabiri. It's the Golden Hour. Later in the show, Leonida talks with Patty James of Durham, who was a contestant on the hit show, The Golden Bachelor.
2: We are lively. We can be fun. We can be silly. We still have that youth in us, but it just doesn't look the same on the outsides. And our next
0: guest, Neil Offen, knows just how that feels. He's been thinking a lot about his generation, the boomers, so much so that he had to write a book about it. It's called Building a Better Boomer. How to deal with bothersome bodies, exhausting exercise, memory missteps, terrifying technology, impossible insurance, retirement regrets, foreign foods, and oh yes, aging.
1: Far from being a downer, author Neil often writes about the aches and pains of aging into perceived irrelevance with humor, self-deprecation, and even a bit of, dare I say it, depth.
0: Oh, welcome, Neil. Thanks. Thanks. Good to be here. You know, I want to know something about the book itself right away. The font is so nice and big. I love it. Is that a coincidence?
3: Uh, not at all. Uh, as you know, boomers, one of the myriad problems we have— We don't see as well as we used to. We don't hear as well as we used to. We don't eat as well as we used to. But seeing is a particular problem, particularly when we drive, as anybody who's been on the road with a boomer can attest. We wanted to have for the book a font that was really readable, a lot of uh, white space around it, so um, boomers wouldn't have to take out their um, uh, magnifying glasses to read it.
0: No, they laugh at me here because I can read nothing that's smaller than 18-point font. I mean, it has to be like
3: 18-20. Well, 18-point is about um, the perfect font for me. Uh-huh. Um, but I've had eye problems um, really since I was a kid in elementary school. I used to cheat on the eye test. There would be, you know, kids reading you the eye test. would
0: memorize it?
3: And I would memorize what all the other <laughs> kids said and I would repeat Z-X-R-V, and they thought my eyesight was fine because I did not want to wear glasses when I was nine years old because that was so darky.
1: Oh my. We gather you're a boomer. If you don't mind uh, sharing with us the tally on years, I used the word vintage before. Of what vintage are you?
3: I am a geriatric boomer. I am the very beginning of the baby boom generation which goes from 1946 to 1964. And if you think about it, that's a really, really long age span because the people born in 64 don't have the same memories, don't have the same music, don't have the same TV shows that somebody born in 46, like I have. Probably the two pivotal events of um, my boomerhood were the JFK assassination and the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan Show. And if you were born in 1962 or 1964, you're probably not remembering either of those.
0: So why did you really want to write this book?
3: So I've and been write a, it
0: now. Why now?
3: Well, because I am a boomer <laughs> and you don't know how much longer I'm gonna be around. Um no, I've been a, a humor columnist on two continents for 40 years and i realized as and from many different publications i realized as i was writing different columns they had a thread through them about how people my age my generation the boomers are dealing with the world today my parents generation my grandparents generation when they got older they were okay with that they, you know, sat back in their barca loungers. You know, they watched television a lot, and they got the early bird special at four o'clock at the um, the local restaurants. Boomers are different. Boomers are older. We're no longer, except in national politics, the centerpiece. But we want to be younger. We try to be younger. We do downward dog in yoga really? and yoga, <laughs> and hope that we can do upward dog right after which is a lot more complicated. We exercise, we run marathons, we you know, have watches we can talk to, and we're sort of caught between generations. We live in a high-tech world, and we're low-tech people.
1: Neil Offen, author of Building a Better Boomer, our guest here on Do South. I want us to transition and spend a, a couple of minutes on technology. And I want us to begin here, if you could, Page 131, chapter 31 in your book, Between Two Worlds.
3: Let me find that page. Trying to buy a new car. We are intimidated by the dashboard technology display, which looks like CNBC updates on how the Dow Jones industrials are faring. How can you concentrate on driving and cutting off the guy in the next lane when you are also carefully watching the digital readout of your GPS directions, your tire pressure, air-fuel ratio, battery strength, rear-end camera view, side camera view, and, of course, the satellite radio receiver playing classic soft rock and scrolling Simon and Garfunkel lyrics.
0: (laughs) That's it. There's a lot there. And you're talking about really just bridging two worlds, right there, and the the complications and sometimes the conflict built into that dynamic. So boomers seem to face a constant collision of old and new. Is it messy? Is it interesting? Neither, both?
3: Both. Um, it's, It's very messy. You know, we finally, boomers finally learned how to do Facebook. We learned how to do somewhat Instagram, and now everyone's on TikTok. Whatever step we take, The world seems to be taking two steps ahead. And it's complicated, and it's messy, but it's also exhilarating.
0: More from Neil Offen when we get back. I'm Leonida Inge.
1: And I'm Jeff Tabiri. This is Do South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge. And I'm Jeff Tabiri. This is Do South.
0: And we're back with Neil Offen, author of the new book, Building a Better Boomer.
3: You know, we have in our pockets, boomers and everyone else, we have computers that are far more smart than we are and that are absolutely impossible to have imagined back in the era when we had three television stations and two of them were playing Have a Gun, Will Travel you know you probably neither of you probably know what half gun will travel was
1: do not know the reference
3: i i bet a boomer would it was a western back when westerns were on television it was not yellowstone um (laughs) that's that's a uh, i used to
0: watch ponderosa though uh,
3: well that's you know you probably know the theme song yes all of all of the westerns back in the 50s and 60s had wonderful theme songs do, had that I'll, whistle, <laughs> I'll, I'll ask the two of you because you're younger. Do TV series have great theme songs now?
1: Some oh, of I, them I have. Some of them do. Some of them do. And which we've which moved ones? Away from it. Well, my mind first goes to... I mean, I go to The Sopranos, which is right. now, to be fair, but that's 25 years old now. 16 years, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go to House of Cards. I thought House of Cards had a, a really dynamic, energizing, opening track. Um, I'm not going to sing it for you, but... That's a little more recent, but I think to your point, more and more shows, right? Like I think of Ozark. I think of, I mean, I think of some just recent hits, and they haven't, they don't, they don't have that music. No, until. they don't.
3: Not only did our old things have have great things, you could sing to them. They actually had lyrics, um,
0: like the Jeffersons. You're like talking yes, about exactly. Norman Lear. <laughs> Moving on up, a, one of my even favorite all in songs. The family. Yes, yes. Wow. So what are some of the boomer labels that you're taking on, for example? I mean, um, do you like them?
3: Well, you know, um, we all know about OK Boomer jokes and, and some of them are well earned. You know, boomers have, you know, among other things, we've befouled the atmosphere, we've despoiled the oceans and we made a hit out of Celebrity Apprentice. So that's all on us. We've made a lot of mistakes, but we also brought the world great music, music that's still used in commercials on television, even if the people uh, on the screen are not boomers and are people with lots more tattoos than we have. We've brought the world, I think particularly in the 60s and early 70s, a sense of hope, a sense that the world could change and could change for the better. That's not a bad legacy.
0: Mm. You know, I remember, and, you know, when I hear boomers, you know, that you were called kind of selfish, you know, when you were younger by older generations. Is that right? I'm going to tell you, my parents were boomers. And um, the one thing I know about boomers, not only, I'm not saying my parents were selfish at all, but I definitely know they had more money than me. I mean, boomers kind of still run the show a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think, are boomers selfish? Yeah, we think millennials are really selfish. Me too. You know, and millennials probably think (laughs) Gen X and Gen Y and Z. What happens when we run out of all these letters?
0: Uh, We We start with A
1: all over again. Really? It's like, like
3: hurricane naming. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Right. Maybe, maybe some of the generational names can be retired. I want to pivot back to something you were just talking about, because I've heard my parents talk about this in terms of, the mantra of hope, this generation that my dad went to Woodstock, right? Like you're, you're the generation of Vietnam. There were some, some big things that your generation took on literally or theoretically. And I've heard my parents and and other people of that generation talk about how hard it has been in some ways to see to fruition what has happened environmentally, the election of Donald Trump. I think has had more of a kind of a weighty impact on on boomers than perhaps other generations. Talk to me a little bit about that, if if you're following where I'm going. I, I,
3: I think I, I am. Um, I think there is a great sense of disappointment. I spoke before about hope, and I think the the whole point of the sixties and the protest for civil rights and against the war in Vietnam I think what undergirded that period was a sense that we can remake the world. I think the last several years have been a a, a shock to the system of a lot of boomers realizing that not only did we not remake the world, but in many ways and however you wish to define it, the world is not just not as good as it was, it's less hopeful than it was. And I think that's why when we see People like Greta Thunberg, um, you know, who is obviously not a boomer, and I don't even know what generation Mm -hmm. she would be. Um, I think to a large contingent of boomers, we may not be able to march in the streets anymore. We may not be able to go to Canada to avoid the draft. We may not be able to do a lot of those things. But I think we're encouraged by those who do, and I would say that there are a lot of people my age. Who still are doing that
1: his book is building a better boomer neil often is with us here on Do south
0: you know there's a passage from pretty early in the book that i think captures a lot about this book you advise readers to sort of slow down and relax
3: yeah um, you know the world is is fast it's, it, it seems to be spinning faster and faster the older you get And I think it's important that um, that we take cognizance of the fact that we are um, we're in the last decades of our lives. Um, And a lot of boomers, a lot of boomers are retired now. A lot of boomers are getting ready for retirement. And I advise in the book, you know, when you get ready for retirement, you should have done it 40 years ago. You're a little late now. But I think it's time for a lot of boomers to step back to see what they've done and to see what they still can do.
0: You know, you're not poking fun. It's sort of mindfulness and meditation in that part of your essay, are you? Well,
3: you know, there, there's a part of the book where I say, you know, when you've um, when you've just getting overwhelmed um, or you've fallen and you can't get up, as the commercial would have it, Um, Sit down, take a deep breath, relax from the tip of your head to your feet, and then call the ambulance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much um, for joining us, Neil Offen, and bringing your insight. I'm sure it'll be helpful for Jeff, (laughs) definitely, in coming years. And Neil Offen is author of Building a Better Boomer. Thank you again for joining us.
3: Thank you both very much.
1: All right, Leonita. Now another conversation about reimagining aging. And this one gets into what it means to date later in life. Now, I remember hearing this next interview when it first aired on Do South. While the hit ABC show The Golden Bachelor was still rolling out episodes, you got a chance to talk with one of the contestants, 70-year-old Patty James of Durham. And you were really excited.
0: Oh, and Patty did not disappoint. And she started off by telling me how she felt when she was chosen to be a contestant.
2: I have such mixed feelings, and I have to be very careful about what I say because I'm very grateful I was on the show, but it was quite a slippery slope of emotions. And I had filled out my application and you go through quite a background check, psychological test, getting documents. It's it's an excruciating experience, fingerprinting, and you have your hopes up and you never know quite if you're going to make it until the very end, like two weeks before filming even, you're like, I don't even know if I'm on the show. So you're sort of having to prepare, kind of getting clothes you think you might need, not spending too much money because you might not go. So there's so many things you're trying to balance. And then in my case, which I think is a little unusual, I hear, Patty, we are going in another direction. And this was about four days before they wanted people in L.A. And I'm like, didn't really say much. And they said, we're really trying to make this a love match. And we felt maybe that wasn't quite the case here. I guess they have all of Gary's info and all of Mm -hmm. mine. And they're like doing their little ching, ching, ching. And I'm like, okay, I respect that. You know, disappointed, but at the same time, like, good, good. So I kind of like, you know, was bummed out, moping around a bit, got over it. So this was even before you made it to L.A.? Correct. Mm. So I had Invisalign on my teeth at that time, and they have these little buttons on your teeth. And I had removed them just for the show in case I was going to go on the show. When I heard I was not going to be on it, immediately, I went to get them back on because I wanted to keep the thing rolling. So two days after I hear no, I'm in there getting my little buttons back on. And it's a bit of an ordeal, grind them off, put them back on. And as I walked out, I'm getting in the car, I get another call. And it's casting in there like, Patty, do you want to be on the show? heck to the yes. I mean, I'd gone through all that. I was like in my head, okay, I don't know what's going on. Don't really care. I had been preparing for you this. You made the top 20. So, I'm yeah. I'm going to go. This was Friday. I had to be there Monday. So, you know, ordinarily I might would have gotten a haircut, do I want to do this or that, do my nails, get a tan, you know, any of the things a woman might be thinking about. And then I'm thinking, should I get the buttons back off? I just had the buttons. (laughs) So I'm like in a quandary. And finally, I was going to fly out late Monday. So I get my stuff together over the weekend. And I had talked to Matt, my son. And I'm like, Matt, I don't really think I'm going to get the buttons back off. This is just really too much. He said, Mom, you probably ought to. And I'm like going back and forth. So Monday before I catch my flight, I got the orthodontic to let me come in and get the buttons back off. So I'm ready to go. I fly out. And they, I don't know how much we can say and not say about the process, but I will say you're not allowed to meet the women until the actual night of the Mm. show when you're in the limo going to meet Gary. So that, I got there five days ahead of time. So we're sequestered in our rooms, can't leave. And the producers are in and out all week. We're doing photo shoots and getting all that done. And that was quite fun. Like, we were supposed to bring our own clothes. I
0: saw saw those beautiful pictures, and I was like, wow. I mean, there was a lot of hype behind this, so they had to make sure you ladies
2: looked your best, and you did. I mean, Leonita, they wanted us to look good, and it was kind of neat. When you walked in for your photo shoot, they pulled out this dress. Those
0: black dresses? Yes, we all had black
2: dresses. And as soon as I walked in the door, they uh, pulled—they didn't even say pick some. They just pulled it out. We think this might be good on you, which was the one I wore. They give you shoes. They've got your undergarments. I mean, you had to send your sizes in. So that was quite fun. And they're all, you feel like a movie star. They're putting you together, doing this, doing that. Your makeup with head checked. You do your own makeup, but they tweak it. Okay. So that was really fun. We did the photo shoot. And the rest of the week, you're just kind of in your room waiting until the night. That had to be nerve-wracking. It was quite nerve-wracking. I started writing a diary. Because we didn't have our phones. You know, they take your phones. So, you know, that's your lifeline. No spoilers
0: before the show started, and they had to make sure of that. So what did you think of the competition, you know, once you did meet the ladies in that limo?
2: Wow, such a good question. I loved the ladies. I was so excited to meet ladies of a certain age, my age, and they were from 60 to like 75. Right. And... I thought, if nothing else, I could make some nice connections, have travel buddies, because it's hard to meet people. I had been working, you know, up until now, and you really, I worked every weekend in my business. So, I really wasn't a fun person to play with, because I couldn't get away on the weekend. So, I really kind of had a nil social life. So I thought, how fun. (laughs) Hi, everybody. I love your dress. All right, girl, all right now. This is exciting. The different dresses, the different energy. Yes! All the fun things that women like to do and (laughs) they're on display. So the first time I met any of them was in the limo that night. And that's a long night. Like you're supposed to be ready by five. We didn't even get called down till like 10 p.m. You're in the limo waiting for your turn. You're talking to the ladies, but you don't know each other. There's five of us in the limo and we're so tense, and you're awkward, and you're just like, everybody's dressed in their best and their little makeup. You're trying to make small talk, but we're all so nervous.
0: Yeah, I was wondering if you still have friends from that experience.
2: Yes, we have a text group, oh. and we keep up with each other. So then finally, we get into the mansion. It's probably 11 or 12, who knows what. And then I meet, I get out. You do your walk-up, meet Gary. You say your thing. That's why probably two seconds, and then you go into the mansion. The mansion's stunning. It's even more beautiful in person, really? I'll say that. Didn't really get to see much of the mansion, you know, because I got voted off the island the I first know, night. I know, I <laughs> know. It's just an interesting that I was there, but I wasn't there. You know what I mean?
0: More from Patty James, a contestant on the ABC reality series, The Golden Bachelor, when we get back. You're listening to Do South on WUNC. I'm Leonida Inge, and this is Due South on WUNC. We're talking about the golden years this hour, and my guest, Patty James, was a contestant on the hit ABC show, The Golden Bachelor, which some feel really went a long way to changing the conversation about aging and finding love later in life. Patty James was not given a rose that first night on The Golden Bachelor. Here's more from my interview with her. Was the experience, you know, worth it? You know, you you, you did, did you like it enough that you would do it again?
2: It was totally worth it, but it, it is just kind of bittersweet. You know, you go on the show for many reasons. Yes, I thought maybe it would be nice to find my man, but you know huh. that's a bit of a miracle. I mean, I've been single 28 years. And I'm not a person that's under a rock. I'm in sales. I've been in real estate. I have a church body. I have people. I I shop in grocery stores. Where do they meet people, you know? So I feel like I haven't met my person. And I knew if I did click with Gary, that would be a miracle. But I wanted that experience. Who knows? I knew I would meet wonderful women. And there's opportunity that comes from being on a show like that. And anybody knows that. So yes, that whole experience was something that was pretty... Neat, and I'm happy I did it. Was I bitter, angry, <laughs> humiliated? Did you want a rose? Humbled, um, embarrassed to be sent home the first night? Yes,
0: yes, because you wanted a rose of that night. Of course, I
2: did. Yes, even if I was going to go home the next week, mm-hmm. to be sent home the first night was so humiliating to me and embarrassing. And I was very hurt and humbled, you know. I was just like, couldn't I have just stayed one week so that's something i had to come to terms with
0: (laughs) you know what i can understand all of that i um you're happy about the experience but it's like any competition you want to win you know no matter what age you are you know if you're a little kid you're like
2: i'm playing t-ball what we lost yeah i'm not a participation award person
0: (laughs) (laughs) you want a trophy that's right So, Patty, you're in your golden years, you know. Are you ready to date now? Um, You think um, your bio, you know, on the Golden Bachelor website, you say that you haven't dated in nearly 30 years. Is that true? Why
2: not? It really is. Um, Well, the boys and I— You have two sons. I have two sons. Matt, my younger son that was the bachelor, and then his older brother, John. So I left their dad when they were five and three. I did not have a job at that time. I was a stay-at-home mom. And I had really, re- I loved their dad so much. I tried to make that marriage work. But when I knew I had to, I had to. So I moved in with my parents. I'm 42 years old. And so I'm in survival mode. It's not like, oh, let me go date. You know, I had two boys, that, depending on me, my parents said, you've got nine months to get yourself together and get out of this house. I mean, I like they put those boundaries on me, but they were like that, you know. And so I had to get a job, figure out a place to go. Long story short, I was really about being a mom, providing for my sons, trying to give them the life that I wanted them to have. Um, I didn't really have time to date. Did I step out with a person if they asked me out to go to dinner once in a while? Yes. The boys weren't really happy about it if I ever went out. They were hysterical on some of the pranks they would pull on people I dated, but I really never, never dated. And then when the boys moved out of the house, I had to make up for lost time because the jobs I took when they were, when I was raising them, I wasn't going to work weekends, no nights. And so it was really hand to mouth because they were jobs that I could control my time.
0: And And now you had really freedom to do whatever you wanted.
2: But I did have to get a job that would help prepare for my retirement because You know, I kept thinking I'd find somebody to get married and have some help with that. But it hit me, no, you know what? You're not. You're on your own. You need to plan for your retirement. And so for the past seven years, that's
0: all I've done. So how have you found, I guess, the dating scene for ladies like yourself, you know, over 60 years old? You know, I'm getting close to 60 and um, my friends tell me, they're like, well, Leonita, you're just going to have to wait to find a widower or someone who kind of divorced late and stayed divorced I'm like wow you know that's kind of tough
2: it is kind of tough um I feel like men when they have anything going on take care of themselves good hygiene social skills any bit of wit and charm they don't need anything to find a woman they're flocking on them so those men I feel like are going to get snatched up so I'm not one of these that chases people. I like to be chased. I want to be sought after. I want to be pursued and chosen, you know, and recognize, wow, she's special. So those men that have it all together with all the women in pursuit, I feel like they're gone. So to get a man at our age group, I know a lot of people go on Tinder and this and that, and I hear that it works. But I feel like so many times the people on there, it, it, again, if the man has all those things we want, they don't need to be on that. And if they're on it, maybe they don't want what we want. So it's such a difficult situation. So, so what
0: do you like? <laughs> <laughs> in a man? Well, in a, in, a, in a man, I guess in a heterosexual relationship, you know, you're on The Golden Bachelor. Like, for example, um, does it matter the age? I mean, do you even want it? golden bachelor? Maybe you'd like a younger gentleman, and does it matter the color of their skin, their ethnicity? Um, how open are you to finding that special
2: one? Well, you know, I am open to a man's heart, but the and I want a man that has my spiritual beliefs. I am a woman of God. I love the Lord. Jesus is my Savior. He's everything to me. So If that man can't go to where I go, to those deep places, and so that's a big thing. But I also just, I want a man that takes care of himself, healthy, cares about his appearance, you know, tries to eat right, exercise, and is warm and friendly and loves me and accepts me, you know. Well, I I don't want to say I'm a pessimist. (laughs) But
0: I just remember a class that I took in college called Modern Marriage. It fell under the sociology classes I needed to take. I said, let me take this one. Maybe I'll get an A. Well, let me tell you, the one thing I remember about that about that class, <laughs> that I remember the teacher saying, well, you may know about 2,000 people in your lifetime by name, like you know them. And then you have to get rid of half of those because if you are heterosexual, you're going to marry someone of the opposite race. So all the women are out. And then you cut it again in half because maybe they don't fall into the age range of the person you're looking for. And then you cut them in half because maybe they're of a different race. And then you cut that in half because of religion. Then you cut it in half again because of maybe their educational attainment. And then you cut it in half again because they don't live in proximity to where you're like left with 2.5 people, Patty.
2: Wow. I I mean, it's a miracle. What you're saying— makes a hundred percent sense leonita i think it's a miracle to find your person and to find your true love i really do I, i i think it's a divine gift
0: so do you think happiness and romantic love declines with
2: age at all happiness are they two separate things happiness and then romantic love
0: Hmm. <laughs> I, I, I shouldn't even ask that question <laughs> let me
2: say i think happiness you know is a personal thing if you're not happy when you're younger you, it probably won't change much when you're older you know that's just something where do you find your joy but romantic love i don't know because i had one true love and i put everything that pendulum is compared to that and may and i think can i compare it to that because you know Older love is gotta be different. So honestly, I just don't know. I figure I'll I'll know it if I see it. But I think what I'm really looking for is someone that genuinely cares about me. Well, Patty, even
0: though your experience may not have been the best, um, the Golden Bachelor has proved to be what some are calling like a ratings darling. You know, it has totally revived that franchise of The Bachelor. And maybe um You know, people have been hungry for a television program that highlights older adults as healthy, you know, ready for love and adventure, you know, just like anybody else. So, you know, what do you think about that? Has it done that, you know, made ladies um, like yourself at least seen in a different light, just ready for life?
2: Right. I think it has. And I'm very excited about what they're doing. And I I, I do think that it gives women that are growing older and getting into their 60s and 70s more hope and they see this show and they feel like yes that could be me. I think it's wonderful and I think it is going to bring hope and I think maybe it will be a launching pad for other shows that to bring more of these relationships the older generation to light that we are lively, we can be fun, we can be silly. We still have that youth in us, but it just doesn't look the same on the outside. So maybe it'll be a time where people get more educated and people that are in this demographic will feel more accepted. And like Joan said, one of the ladies on this show, that she doesn't feel seen. And when she said that, it it just hit a mark with me because I remember in my parents' lives when I know they had that feeling where they're not seen anymore. They were such lively people and they were the stars of the show. And my dad was a brilliant chemist and physics person. And all of a sudden, You're not relevant anymore and you're not seen. And that's us. We're not seen. People don't care what you have to say. They don't see you in a group. You're kind of invisible. And I love that Joan brought that up. And so maybe we'll be able to be less invisible and um, it will affect people's lives and bring more joy. The show is not an unrealistic fantasy. No, I don't think so. Uh, I, I hope it, it encourages and brings hope to a, a lot of people in this age bracket. Well, Patty James,
0: it's been a delight speaking with you. Um, Patty James was a contestant on the popular ABC reality TV show, The Golden Bachelor. She's a real estate professional living in Durham, North Carolina. Thank you again.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here. Don't stop believing. And
0: in case you were wondering... Patty James was at the Golden Bachelor wedding in California in early January, showing her support for the Golden Couple. Don't stop this is Due South. Due South is a production of WUNC and a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Our producers are Stacia Brown, Cole Del Charco, and Rachel McCarthy. Denarius Thomas is our technical director. Aaron Kiever is our executive producer. Our theme music is by Quilla. Jeff Dabiri is my co-host, and I'm Leonida In.